I have to believe that if someone goes up to someone else and says, "Hey, man, I need help," yeah, that the person receiving that request is not going to push them away. Right. I have to believe that. Right. If not, I have no faith in humanity. Yeah. It's it. It's. I know you guys are at your lowest point when you need to talk to someone, and sometimes it's like such a brave thing to do to come with like heart in hand and say, "Yo, can you help me sort this out?" Yeah. Right. It's it's you. You got to realize that 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 person is crumbling in front of you, but they found the strength to crawl up to your doorstep and ask you for help. So. Like, don't push them away, guys. Like, don't belittle them. Don't just help them. Just listen to them. Sometimes you don't even need to solve the problem. You, they just need someone to listen to. Yeah. Right. All right, back in the booth. Capable Dad, Caesar, Stan, Brendan. Here we go. Let's go. How are you guys doing? How are you guys doing? Doing well tonight. Pretty I good. just want to. I just want to start off by saying I am very privileged to have met both of you in my lifetime. Uh, you guys are like the classiest dudes that I think I know, and and you guys have been such great additions to my life, Brendan. I've only met you like. Two months, and yeah. I already think very highly of you. Yeah, likewise, Dan. I, I sh- sh- share the same sentiment for sure. So. Awesome, thanks, Congratulations, man. man. Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you. Congratulations. Yeah, this is great, guys. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And Caesar, I've known you since I've I've known of you since grade five, but we know, but we reconnected in high like school. high school and university, university and, and then, adult. Yeah, totally. right. And I can't say enough good things about you appreciate that man and i just wanted to start off by saying you guys are so awesome and deserved to be loved we deserve it yeah. you deserve to be loved which is a good segment because we are talking about male mental health today dad mental health today yep some of the mind games we go through some of the landmines we have to navigate yep And I just wanted to start off by saying how I feel that there is a shift in society now Mm. that men opening up is starting to be a bit more accepted, that it's okay to talk about our feelings, and it's okay to show more range of emotions, right? Yeah, totally. Definitely have, is. Yeah. Have you guys experienced any emotional evolution recently? Like, mm. let me give you an example. Like, ever since Karen was pregnant, mm. I have been, or p- previously, I've been a very one-dimensional, uh, I try to be a tough guy, I try to be your alpha male, right? Yeah. I gave myself permission when Karen went to labor mm. to experienced that wave of emotion when I met my son, mm-hmm. right? And that kind of changed. That was my milestone moment where it was very one-dimensional before that. And then afterwards, it kind of sent me on this journey yeah. of experiencing 
and letting myself experience all this wave, emotional roller coaster, yeah. uh, uh, if you will. Yeah, I, I, I think my maturity when it came to my emotional awareness, um, it came a little bit later. I would say it came relatively recently. I've always, I've always been aware that I don't have a lot of emotions and whether it's um, intentional or not, I, I choose not to feel a lot of emotions mm. and that's how I've been since I was a child, um, throughout my young adult life, adult life, through my career and all that. I almost had to like suppress a lot of my emotions intentionally, like, like actively tell myself, you can't feel this because mm. if you feel this, it's all going to come flooding out and you're not going to be able to control yourself. You become this person you, you lose complete control over. And so like, I've always had that, um, worry in me. And so I've always had to feel like I had to suppress my emotions because of that. The maturity came, I think when my daughter became aware herself. And so my daughter currently is six. She's turning seven soon. She probably, she probably she's a, she's a very very emotionally aware child person, um, and she first started to be able to communicate that pretty early in her age. Like she, as soon as she was able to communicate, puts you know sentences together. Um, we spent a lot of time. My wife definitely um, encouraged that the most, so I didn't give her all the credit for that, but encouraged her, and I try my best to encourage her as well to use her words to explain to, to explain her emotions. You know when kids go through like the you know what, what a lot of people call the terrible twos and mm -hmm. you know it's, it's it's a lot of times that they have all this emotion inside that they, they can't communicate. And so she developed vocabulary to attach the emotion she was having to these words. And as she was learning and she was putting these words to her emotions, she was able to communicate better with us. And obviously to this point, she, her, her ability to communicate has become much, much more mature. That's where my maturity came. And it's, it's, it's a little ironic, but my, my maturity through my emotional awareness is with my child. As she's learning her emotional awareness, I'm learning my emotional awareness through her. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's actually a pretty recent thing for me. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I th having kids is definitely like a learning experience in itself. Like you go through so many highs, lows, you know, so many different emotions that it, uh, it, you're naturally going to grow a ton just actually experiencing them. And, yeah. um, you know, helping your kids identify a name helps them kind of understand it a bit better too. So definitely having a, a concept of what all these different emotions like anger, upset, jealousy, yeah. Um, you know, all these different things, helping them understand it and, and seeing that, you know, gives them a good awareness of when it's happening and, and uh, how to manage it for them as well. Right. And right. I think, you know, we all have something to learn. It's not, I think we all have some improvements and awareness that we can all improve on. Yeah. I think, like, I don't think any of us are fully self-aware and we can control ourselves and know a hundred percent of the time what's actually, you know, uh, making you mad or angry or yeah. frustrated or sleepy. Like, you know, it's hard to, Hard to address all of those, right? When you have specific issues, specific problems bothering you, you kind of turn to what you are exposed to as tools, as guides to help you cope, right? And a lot of times in media with your friends, oh, let's just go drink. Let's just, you know, self-medicate. Let's just... I do notice a shift in, in mainstream culture where there are more... Um, 
role models, a lot more um, individuals who advocate therapy, or even have a a more emotional vocabulary, right? right? Just to destigmatize the the fact that, hey, you know, we we all have issues, we're all going through something, right? Uh, You know, people used to be addicts, people used to, you know, go through trauma, right? And that stuff is okay. Everybody has baggage, right? Right. And I know that for me, myself, I, I didn't know how to deal with all this, right? Like, I guess it will, it, like both of us were, were coming from the same place, right? We, we used our kids or their childhood for us to develop more emotions, more variety of emotions, because yeah. they're going through it. We're, we're going through it too, right? So I think that as soon as we, we switch from man mode to dad mode, mm. there is that transformation, right? Right. How, how have you guys dealt with some of the mental issues with being like a dad? Right. Mm. Like I know with me, I was juggling my small business, right. Trying to be successful. Uh, I was going through a career change at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Karen was trying to figure out what postpartum is like, right? right? And that's a whole uh, can of worms. Yeah. And trying to support this new child and this new family, right? So there was a lot of landmines there, right? Do you guys have any examples of any big... Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, we had our third child and I was trying to deliver a student rental project and, uh, you know, that, uh, oh my God. I think she was... Uh, she was about eight months at the time, our, our third child, and we're trying to, you know, and it just it felt like everything was just imploding on us. It was just so busy, and it's like, no matter what I did, it didn't seem like it could actually work, and it was like a really, uh, yeah, it's a distressed time, right? It's like, it's like, uh, well, it's, I'm lacking the vocabulary right now, but, uh, do you, have any, you know, there wasn't like, really any hope for me at that point, right? It was just like, no matter what I did, it was just miserable. So it's, a, you know, I didn't really have any great coping mechanisms. I just kind of kept grinding and focusing on work and getting it done, and you know, just showing up and doing the best I could, oh, but that's it's tough. like, you just well, get through it. I think that's the thing with a lot of people who experience in the postpartum phase. Um, work seems to be almost a getaway, an escape from what you're experiencing at home. It's a lot more simpler. Well, it's what you're familiar with. It's what you're an expert at. It's what you've been doing for ages, years and all mm. that. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a familiar place. I was going to ask you and, and, you know, you know, counter you a bit on the actual seeing a lot of like, uh, role models that are discussing it. You know, I, th- I still think there's, um, you know, there, I still think there's a big void on that. I think there's, you know, there's still a lot of room in there to, to have that. I mean, there is some, mm-hmm. um, but you know, in the bell, let's talk campaign is obviously a great thing, but, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't. I don't think people uh, are appreciating. You know that uh, that it's out there. Um, and and the one thing I you know, a big point, and I, I'm not sure how this necessarily relates to dads specifically, but uh, maybe in men's mental health is that it's it's not sexy. Like you see someone who's experiencing homelessness. Uh, there's usually a lot of mental health issues associated mm-hmm. with that, and it's people turn a blank eye to that nonstop. It. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll look the other way and they'll, you know, have some disdain for those people. And, uh, you know, that is mental health right there. So it's like those, those people need support. Uh, they need help a lot too. Right. So it's, um, you know, there could, there, there's definitely a lot of room for improvement across yeah. the society. 
You bring up a good point. It's it's one thing to go through, uh, you know, emotional change and able to acknowledge it, but then when you show it and look for support, you know, how is the receiving end um, re- like taking it? Right? Yeah. Are they like, dude, just suck it up, right? Or let's just you know, let's get over it, bottle it up. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and it, I mean, maybe there's a, a subtle distinction that it's worth making, and I don't necessarily know what it is, but between like emotions and mental health like issues, um, I, I don't know if there's a clear you know boundary between the two. Like, you can obviously you know maybe if an emotion is getting overriding and it's creating negative impacts on your life, it's it becomes a mental health issue. I, I don't know. If, is that the right definition, Caesar? I don't. You got. I mean, I don't want to get too clinical in this because it's <laughs> not really the, I think the, the, the point of this, but I think when it comes to mental health, I think stigma is a huge part of it, right? Yeah. As you mentioned, like when, when you see that homeless person struggling, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And, um, it's natural. I think everybody has those feelings inside them. I think that everybody has judgment. And I think that's one of the things that I think is important for us to address is these stigmas um, and how do we break them? How do we break these barriers? And, you know, we all have judgment and we all have certain feelings about mental health, but <clears throat> that's, that's what generates the, the barriers for, especially men to seek help, to acknowledge that we all have some sort of, um, experience going through challenges in mental health and mental health is, it can be anything. It's such a general term. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not getting to diagnostic criteria for anything. We're just talking about what we experience and, yeah. You know, this, I think mental health is such a catch-all term, umbrella term. Um, doesn't have to be pathological, right? You what, know. what does pathological mean? So pathological means that you know you've 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 hit a point where um, you probably need some sort of treatment. Yeah. Okay. You need some sort of therapy of some sort, um, and um, you know that at that point you're seeking professional help, whether it's physician, therapist, some sort. Your you know trial of medications and all that. Um, you don't have to wait to that point to acknowledge that you're having a difficult time with your mental health. And the goal is hopefully to um, <clears throat> create a society where it's more normal to talk about it, to be open about it, so that um, you can minimize the the times that people need to start going down that route of you know, pharmaceuticals and, um, you know, more invasive treatments and things like that. Yeah. Totally. And, I think, and I think that's, the, I think that's the whole point of a lot of the discussion we're having today is let's not wait to that point. Let's not wait to the point where it's all building up so much that we just blow up and it's just it kind of, we've kind of crossed a point where you can no longer deal with it on your own. Now you, now you need to have, um, external support to kind of help you through it. I do believe, yeah, 100% agree with that. I think we all should make make an effort to be that upriver solution, yeah. right? And it's not just, hey, let's go hang out all the time, right? Because, yeah, hanging out could be fun and everything. But when they say, hey, check in on your friends, right? check in on your friends, right? Like this, It doesn't have to be such a big event where where you can find out how things are bothering people right and and hopefully hopefully your buddy realizes that and can open up or maybe you guys take the you take the first step and open up to them and 
And I do find, I don't know about you, but like, I do notice that when men become dads, mm -hmm. then they start seeking each other out. Does that make sense? <clears throat> like, as soon as a man becomes dad and they have this baby on their arm, they're just looking for other like-minded dads to connect with again, to go through all this um, emotion. Like, I've, I've been through it. I've been through, like, a bunch of dad groups, right? Um, like, when um, Evan went to school or daycare, yeah. I, like, try to become friends with his friends. Right. And because, you know, the kids were the same age. We see each other every day, it seems. And it it helped, right? But I I wish there was a little bit more of a connection there. Between you, know? you and the other dad or? Yeah. Like just, just to, because I could see it in their eyes. They're tired too. They're exhausted too. And sometimes we all kind of need uh, a break, just time apart. Right, like we eventually did make a pretty good uh, neighborhood dad group, yeah. and we were able to have some time away from the kids, but still with the kids. But it's it it's it's really hard, you know, to open up to almost strangers, mm -hmm. right? But I've always felt that desire there. I don't know if they felt it or if it's just me on my emotional journey. But I've always wanted to know more of the person, right? See what's what's bothering with them, what's bothering me. And sometimes I do open up a little bit too much, right? But it's okay. it's okay, guys. It's yeah, okay I mean, if you need to talk. I mean, I, if anybody knows me, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I think you're, here, you man. you kind of um, touched on two points there. So one is the um, other dads seeking out other dads, and I think that that speaks to a lot of how much we can relate to each other. And I'm not sure how you guys feel, but like, I know for me, I find it sometimes really challenging to relate to somebody who is in a completely different life stage than me. So we could be the same age. We could be in the same career. We may even have the same interests, but if that other person, whether, you know, let's, let's use another guy as an example. Um, doesn't have kids, I find it sometimes really hard to relate to them. I can't, you know, like when I talk about, you know, I have to do this, you know, get my kids ready for school and I have to wake up at a certain time, go to bed at a certain time, have dinner at a certain time. They don't get it. Um, <clears throat> uh, largely because they don't have kids. They, they don't understand the idea of routine, how important routine is mm -hmm. and all that. So I think, um, you know, seeking out other people in the same life stage as you um, is such a huge uh, component of finding a support system and, and a network that you can you can go to. Um, the idea of you know opening up to that person, you know, that's something I think is a it's, it's a generational shift. We I think we grew up in a generation where we still grew up you know as young boys and young men and all that to kind of push down our feelings a little bit, not share a whole lot. So you may feel awkward sharing with your, you know, somebody, another, another dad you met with openly because you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not used to that. And I think it's important for us to acknowledge that we have that discomfort in ourselves um, and then work on the next generation, which is our kids, like, you know, my son and try to teach him. It's okay to share your feelings, talk about your feelings, talk about your emotions, 
show that you're not doing well so that when they grow up, it's normal for them to talk to another guy, another person about their feelings and not feel awkward about it and not feel nervous and self-conscious that I'm, I'm kind of opening up too much. I'm being too vulnerable. Um, this, you know, this is not safe for me to do this. Cause I think that's, that's us internalizing a lot of those feelings that we have that's oh, yeah. unsafe, right? It, it's, it's not that it actually is unsafe as we tell ourselves it's unsafe. I don't want to show my emotions because I don't want that person to judge me and, you know, turn against me and use it against me. And we need to teach our kids that that's not the situation, that it is okay to be vulnerable. It is okay to share your feelings. And then the goal hopefully is to build up a generation where boys, young men, men feel like it's okay to be open. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think there's a subtle art of communication there. Right. I think that, um, you know, sometimes walking up to someone being like, Hey, you know, are you happy today? He's like, you know, that's not never going to really work. I mean, but it's, uh, you know, getting together, just, you know, spending time with each other, joking around, shooting hoops, and you know, just naturally, like, you know, you're starting to talk about how your life's going and, and understanding those things. Uh, that's an important outlet, right. I think, you know, and that's like, it doesn't have to be as informal, as formal as like, you know, sitting down and something like this, like yeah. talking all about it, but like, um, you know, just catching up and doing those things and, and tacitly going through it. Like, uh, that's how I, like, I, I get a lot of, uh, relaxation that way. And, yeah. Um, obviously it's good to, you know, connect with other guys in the same lifestyle that, you know, they have a lot to share as well. I, I do enjoy like, you know, reaching out though a tiny bit to people that aren't dads as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's always good. Like I, I, I like connecting with other people who are completely different lifestyles cause they, they give you a little perspective and, you know, you have to be a bit inquisitive and like try to put your head into their uh, position and whatnot yeah. and to, to kind of do it. But you know, you can't get into the nitty gritties either in that right. sense. Like. Yeah. yeah, you can live vicariously through them. What it's like to yeah. be single again, yeah. and you know. Yeah, yeah. I was always curious about like dating apps. That was uh, pre our time. I never really saw what that was like. It was kind of curious. But, Me too. Yeah, it would have been cool, but mm. <coughs> we're born born a bit late. Yeah, like one one thing that I've kind of learned, and here's a tool. Okay, when you're up with when you're out with your buddy, and you don't just say, "Hey, how's your day? How you doing?" Right, it's very one-dimensional. It's either good, bad, you know. You say, "Hey, how's your day?" Scale of one to ten, how's your day? You know that that gives it a spectrum. Yeah. Right? Then I was like, "Oh, okay, it's maybe a seven. Yeah. Seven. Then you start analyzing that. Oh, seven. Seven's not like the greatest. It's not the worst. Why? Why is it seven? Why is it not an eight? You know. Mm-hmm. And then you start nitpicking, mm-hmm. right? And and there is there's got to be an effort on your end to. <clears throat> dive in to to search for some of these things yeah yeah definitely um like i don't want to be like the nosy guy but if it's someone i care about if it's someone i you know i want to spend this effort into then then i will right and hopefully they understand well i mean it it definitely shows that you care and that you know you you care more than just whatever hobby you guys are sharing together. You actually care about the person, what they're going through, especially if they look like they're in distress. It looks like they're not doing well. Their body language or <clears throat> the way they're speaking is like, something seems off. Like you don't seem like yourself today and calling them out on it and giving them the opportunity to talk. And if they choose not to, if they say like, you know what, I don't, I don't really want to talk about it or they try to, you know, change the subject, then fine. But, you know, just show that you care that you give them the opportunity, the outlet to talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is, is, is uh, very important because I think a lot of times I know, at least for myself, I don't feel I have the opportunity to talk because no one 
no one really cares per se. I care. Right. We care. Um, we care. It's Caesar. interesting because there's, there's actually a, um, <clears throat> there's actually a clip that I, I wanted to show. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it or not. Um, talking about men and, um, do they feel cared about or not? Do you think it's a good time to share it? Sure. Yeah. Uh, who do you call when you are at your lowest? Who is that one person? Nobody. I'm a man. No one cares. Not a single soul. Nobody. No one. Because I'm all alone. I think I speak for um, a lot of people when I say that. I don't call anyone. Nobody. I'm a guy. Nobody gives a shit. Speaking for the guys when I say this, literally no one. Do y'all call someone? Nobody. Just nobody. I don't know what to talk to. You guys. No one. I'm a man. No one cares. No one. Not a single fucking person. I wouldn't call anyone. I wouldn't turn to a single person on this earth because they don't care. They will just find a way to use it against me one day. Who do you call when you were at your low? That's uh, that. That's pretty sad reflection on you know general attitude towards uh, you know yeah. mental health. Well, I mean, just appreciation for for men in general. Yeah. Do you guys can you guys relate to it at all, or do you, do you feel like it's like not not kind of what your experience is when it comes to you know when you're in a really low point in your life when you're struggling and that's two things. One, do I even want to call someone? That's one one issue. And then two, if I do feel like I need to talk to someone, when I feel like I do need to talk to someone, I've, I hope, which, which camera? I hope my friend circle is supportive enough to listen to me. <laughs> He's making some eye contact. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be another guy either. I mean, it. Uh, I, I've recently found, you know, obviously your your spouse or your partner can be like a phenomenal uh like yeah i resource. hope, yeah, I hope like your, your partner like, would be yeah. the first person you would talk to right. yeah. about this like all the time unless it's yeah. about her yeah yeah i mean then you need to you know figure something out but uh but hopefully there's others that uh can do that what what about you caesar is that that resonated with you it's it's tough because i think it's uh it's very dependent on the situation yeah um i would say my wife is somebody I would go to for any, anything essentially, but I don't go to her for everything. Hmm. I do feel that, uh, there are times where I'm finding really challenging and may, I may, I might, I might eventually open up, but it definitely takes a certain amount of, uh, reflection and internalization of my thoughts, hmm. um, before I reach out. Right. And so, you know, it's not one of those things where like, I don't feel like I can ever reach out to somebody, but it's like an example would be, um, let's say during my, my residency training, there were some really tough months where I was like completely exhausted, burnt out. Um, the, 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 the rotation I'm doing is extremely hard. Patients are dying around me and I, I feel like I'm, I can't do anything about it. And, um, I can't go to my, my team, my staff, because they're evaluating me. So I don't want to seem like I'm incapable of doing something because it's going to, mm. it's going to reflect badly on me. I don't want to get bad evaluation. I don't want them to think badly of me. 
at the same time, I don't want to burden my wife at this moment because like she's got her own issues going on. And so I internalize it all and it builds and builds and builds. Sometimes it can be weeks, months that I build up these, um, these feelings inside where, um, I'm getting more and more depressed as time goes on. Oh yeah. And then You're just holding on to it. Yeah. And then eventually there's a certain point where it's like, this is not good. I got to phone Brendan and go for a bike ride, man. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, and then eventually I would reach out. Yeah. But that time between me, um, starting to have the feelings of something like depression and, or feeling really down, overwhelmed, whatever it is to the point where I actually do reach out for help. That's the dangerous part, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think depending on the person, depending on the situation, um, some people can last a point where they feel like they, they can ask for help. Some people, I feel like in somewhere they're there, they completely break down. They make some you know poor choices and bad things happen. Um, so I think I can relate to that clip in a way where I do sometimes feel like I can't ask for help. I shouldn't ask for help for whatever reason, because I don't want to get bad evaluation. I don't want to burden somebody else. I don't want to um, seem weak, right? And so it's not, it's not like I, I tell myself I can never ask for help, but sometimes there's a delay in that. And, um, I think that's sometimes the, the challenging part. You could be more constructive if you, um, like proactively dealt with it. Like, Hey, this is, uh, you know, I'm dealing with this right now, recognizing it and then trying to, you know, right. wrap well, your head around it. Right. Or discussing it. I, I sometimes find that when I'm discussing issues or, you know, whatever conflict I have with Z, yeah. but, uh, it, it helps me frame a reference and like de-stress. Right. I think yeah. that's, uh, Oh yeah. When you, yeah. when you talk about it, when you, when you just like have a soundboard and you're just like verbally going through it, it does like, stress you yeah from the situation um getting back to that video and to your situation it seems that we either have um an issue of recognizing when we need to deal with these issues or we don't want to burden other people with it yeah right like these guys that says, hey, I have absolutely no one, right? That's a little extreme for me. I'm, in my mind, I'm like, do you guys not have like a, a mom? Or like it, saying nobody cares, that's that's a little extreme. I'm sh- it can be true though. It can be right? true. It could be, have yeah. Don't family, you have no, yeah. you're, you're true. really isolated that's true. and all that. Yeah. That's true, that's true. But <clears throat> I, I, I have to believe that if someone goes up to someone else and says, Hey man, I need help. Yeah. That the person receiving that request is not going to push them away. Right. Right. Like I, I, I have to believe that, right. If not, I have no faith in humanity. It's, it's, I know you guys are at your lowest point when you need to talk to someone. And sometimes it's, like such a brave thing to do to come with like heart in hand and say, yo, can you help me sort this out? Yeah. Right. It's, it's, you, you got to realize that, that that person is crumbling in front of you, but they found the strength to crawl up to your doorstep and ask you for help. So like, don't push them away guys. Like don't belittle them. Don't, just help them. Just listen to them. Sometimes you don't even need to solve the problem. You, they just need someone to listen to. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, no, I, I found for me personally the um, just recognizing those things. It's like sometimes like it's internalized so much, and it, you have to like think like you just don't even understand the emotions you're going through. It's like you know, just you know, it, you uh, it before you can even ask for help, you just don't even know what you what's going on inside of you. It's the understanding and awareness and that little basic step, like you were right. referencing with your children before. Yeah. It's like just naming it to understand what it is. Like, oh, I don't like that makes me feel this way oh shit that that you know a plus you know two plus two equals four and you kind of it the connection of all those dots isn't really happening right yeah and i think a lot of times um the feeling of feeling nervous asking for help and acknowledging that you need help um a lot of times it comes early in childhood early in your life you know you you whatever experience you had as a child and you did need help, but you didn't receive it. So I think a lot of people who were raised in a neglectful environment would experience that where they, they do need help as a kid, but whether, you know, whatever the circumstances they're in, they don't get that help. Mm. Um, and so they have to learn to figure it out themselves and do it themselves. And so, and that happens over and over and over again throughout the childhood, they're going to develop this mentality as I can't ask for help because if I ask for help, I'm not going to get it anyway. So I might as well figure it out myself. Like a self-reliance. Exactly. Which I think is not uncommon in um, the male population. I think a lot of men experience that where um, they feel like they they have to be self-reliant and you know not depend on anybody else. And like, I think that creates that narrative that I can't ask for help. If mm-hmm. I ask for help, that means it shows that I'm weak, I'm incapable, um, and then it kind of kind of perpetuates that, you know, aspect of like you know, things like toxic masculinity and all that, where it's it's not good to ask for help and show that you're you that you can't you can't you know take care of it yourself. Yeah, that's true. It's definitely you know weighted really far on that end into the spectrum mm-hmm. for men currently, you know. But there is some value obviously to resiliency, being able to put your head down and get through it, and you know that provides a lot of value to everyone. Yeah. Uh, but there is a, a you know the it's a double-edged sword, right? It's obviously there's uh, it cuts both ways. So um, yeah, we could use, I think we could all use a bit more balance in that respect of like, you know, um, knowing, you know, when to turn on the resiliency and when to be like, okay, step back. I don't need right now. Like let's, let's unpack this and, you know, work through it or whatever it is. Right. Right. Yeah. Brendan, earlier you offered Caesar a bike ride, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. How did that make you feel that when, if, if Caesar does say, Hey, Brandon, you know, I, I really need to go for a bike ride. You want to go? Yeah. How does that feel to you? It's good. I like that. Like that's right. That's, that's kind of, that's kind of the general feeling I have when someone comes to me. Yeah. Right. So this is another tool guys. If you do have issues there, there are people out there who want to help. It makes you feel good. And it makes them feel good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you're actually helping them by bringing them your issues and your problems, right? The, that desire to bond with people. Right. A a lot of guys like underestimate that. Yeah. Right. And this is one of the tools that, you know, that this social interaction, social load bearing, right? It's, it's, it's like that teamwork mentality. Right, you guys become on the same page. Right, I just thanks for being a good friend. <laughs> Anytime, Stan. And and I yeah, think you know, to kind of go back to um, the the examples you're using when you go up to a, you know a friend of yours and ask them how they're doing. You know, 
how's your day going? Tell me about your day. Um, that as, as, as the person who is trying to support somebody else, like that gives that person the opportunity to be like, to ask for help, to open up that dialogue so that they can ask. And then when they do ask for help, you, I mean, you offered it and you yeah. were there, you asked, you asked to be involved and kind of get to know them. And definitely, I think there's definitely that, um, you know, feeling of like, I feel honored that I can help you, that you came to me for help because mm -hmm. you, you see me as a trusted person that you can come to me when you're having a difficult time and I'm honored to help you. Those yeah. are some great badges to have on your sleeve, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, it's, guys, we need to support each other, Yeah. right? Not just throw each other under the bus and call each other alphas and betas or yeah. whatever, right? Do you, do you, I mean... If we're talking about like the postpartum phase, like kind of the early young, young kids. Um, I remember when my wife was postpartum, like there were all these, especially like you look on Facebook groups, stuff like that. There's so many of these groups, you know, the mom tots groups, the, um, you know, the park meetups and things like that. Mm -hmm. I feel like for men, there's not as much. I'm sure there are opportunities out there but i just feel like either one we don't seek it out ourselves mm -hmm. or there's just it's not as much like even mm. even uh the community uh, centers in the in your local neighborhood i feel like it it, it it caters more towards the mom group than the dad group um, true not sure if you guys had the same experience or not yeah I, th I think you're definitely right i think it's you know it's i think it's partly due probably to you know that the child rearing and early postpartum is primarily currently, you know, still the woman's domain. Right. So right. it's like, there's not nearly as established a network of, of guys in that realm doing that yeah. kind of thing. And, you know, if there's a bit more job parity in, uh, in the economy, then you'll probably have a bit more male and female as, uh, you know, right. splitting those, uh, you know, that labor. Um, and hopefully it will grow a tiny bit, but I think you're absolutely right that, you know, there is a bit of a, a void in that respect. Right. Yeah. Um, and also I think that, you know, what, what maybe guys would be looking for would be different than what, you know, moms might be looking for as yes. well in like social groups. Like, you know, I don't want to stereotype each category of what they're individually looking for, but maybe they're, you know, there's some, some different things that they want to do. Right. Yeah, totally. So it's, uh, you know, how did you guys find different dads? Well, you want me to be honest? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, this is it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, 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 you know, and this is where, um, my wife was concerned up until not, not really concerned about my well being, but the fact that I didn't have a circle of dads to mm. hang out with. And, um, not that I didn't have the opportunity. I'm sure there were opportunities where I meet up with the neighborhood dads and all that, but I just didn't feel like I could connect with them with my job and all my other commitments. I just felt like they're, they're, um, yeah. I didn't, I didn't have the opportunity to connect with them and maybe I didn't share as much interest, similar interests as them. And so the idea came up of why don't I just create an environment where I feel like I have similar interests with some other people in similar situations as me with similar age kids and similar life stages. And that's how this came to be, you know, and yep. I feel productive with it. I feel like, um, it's an opportunity to share experiences with other dads that is more meaningful to me than go to a bar and get hammered kind of thing. Yeah. This or, is pretty directly intentional. It's like yeah. the, like in terms of actually unpacking some of this stuff and, and wrapping our heads around it and understanding it and talking about it. So I've appreciated that yeah. tremendously in this opportunity. So right. uh, it's pretty, pretty neat. Um, 
but it's certainly with with a lot of the other dads that we've seen like i've i've met like i really enjoy hanging out with them too there's you know it uh it, it's kind of interesting you you know you're going on your kids are kind of setting up play dates for you now. It's kind of, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's playdates for the dads. Yeah, so playdates for the dads. Yeah. <laughs> but I enjoy, yeah, I enjoy getting to meet new people and talking and, yeah. you know, it, uh, there was a, when I was a lot, uh, when we were first having kids and they, they were really young, I had a lot of social anxiety about doing that. So it's, uh, right. oh, yeah? it's a lot harder at that point, right. To go network and, and whatnot. But you know, you get, was the anxiety about the, the process of meeting them or actually just like, interacting with other dads yeah it, uh, a great question um i don't know i just uh yeah it's maybe just interacting i think like it's i think, just, I think uh, that's where yeah. my anxiety came was gonna be like okay yeah. i mean the population is there i could just jump into this friend group and this dad group and interact but like once i get there now what you know are we just gonna sit there and stare at each other are we going to like what do we? And that's why like, when we go cycling, we went when we go on the bike ride. I'm like, I can do that. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I know I don't ride a bike. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's purpose driven, exactly. right? Yeah, it, and yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I think that to me is and is you know when I tell my wife when she asks me you know how come you don't go to these things like well because I'm not into those activities that they're doing and yeah. if I if I go there and I'm I'm just gonna be literally just sitting there quiet keeping to myself. Um, so why bother that? I might as well just do something I enjoy doing, even if it means for me to do it alone. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I do felt, I did feel that, um, anxiety, um, meeting new dads or meeting, or just meeting a different dad. Mm. Cause at the beginning when we had winter, I, it was like my first time venturing in, right? Like right. I, I didn't know any, anything about being a dad. I didn't read any of the books. I didn't, I just went along with it, right? And I was very nervous of some of the questions that they might be mm. asking me. It's like, oh, what if I scold him the wrong way? What What if I scold him? You know, The judgment. Exactly. Yeah, like the, the judgy you're, you're out there with someone else and you're, you're, yeah. yeah, there's a bit of a, like a social construct of what you expect each other to do. So there is like anxiety about that, but, you know, but you start to get over that a tiny bit, I assume, but... Yeah, when you start like to to stop caring, yeah, about, <laughs> yeah about just, how they think I'm of you, just uh, you know, just authentic me, just lay it out there, you know, take it or leave it. That's it, right? I, I mean, I think that's that's a huge part of it. I think, um, especially early, especially with your first child, early on when they're like infants, toddlers, they're not, they haven't really developed their own personalities yet. There's a lot of fear of that judgment, and I think a lot of times, even with social media, you see all these experts and saying, you should do this with your child, whether it's like sleep training, feeding, introducing solids, um, all these, you know, big parts of parenting. There's so much judgment out there. And then, you you know, you have other parents mm-hmm. who comment on these, you know, Facebook groups. Oh, you should have done that. How could you do that? You're such a bad parent for doing that. There's, there's a lot of, definitely creates a lot of anxiety. Um, and so you do feel you get worried about that judgment. But then as a kid gets older and your kid starts turn out all right you're like you're all right you did okay you know, yeah. whatever, you know whatever i did whether it was right or wrong i don't know but my kid's okay so you yeah. have that proof of concept that like i i actually can my my, my kid's alive and they've survived yeah. then you have your second kid and i'm saying okay well my first kid did well so let's see how the second kid goes and then the confidence builds and then so that at a certain point you don't care anymore because mm-hmm. you know what i have two great kids that i feel super yeah. proud of and so i don't really care about what your opinion is even if it's completely against what i do because i love my kids <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. How, out of curiosity, how, it, um, 
you know, not even just like Facebook giving you negative feedback loops, but how many times have you guys been walking with your kid just as like a dad, just you and your kids and, uh, you know, had a, had a random woman come by and be like, oh, you should do this differently and you should do this differently. Like, has that ever happened to you guys? Thankfully not to me. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm just a horrible dad. But yeah. <laughs> you, you received it? Yeah. I can't remember. I, I, there's definitely been a few times I'm like, wow, thanks for that. Like, I can't give her this food, but I appreciate your, you know. You know, doing this. Uh, yeah, and, and I can't. I can't think of a specific example where I was alone. I've definitely had experiences where you get the unsolicited advice from another person. Yeah. Um. When I'm when we're as a family, like even with if I'm with my wife and the kids, then you know when people come up to me, you you know maybe you shouldn't do that. That's not the right. Or you get it definitely from your family, right? Whether yeah. it's the in laws or other older siblings cousins that you know their kids are a little bit older and say well you know this is how we did it and this you know i think this is how you should do it yeah and you're like eh, you know I, and, and my wife said something really interesting to me um recently when i when i shared one of those like par- parenting reels with her and she's like you know what you asked me to find any um recommendation and i will find something to defend it right and and i'll also find something to refute it and mm. so I tried these days really hard to take any recommendation, whether it's from a layperson or an expert, with a grain of salt. Because I think you, you, you Google anything, you will find the answer you want to hear, whether, oh, yeah. it's, it, whether it's in support of what you want to do or to refute what you, know, you want to refute. And so you really just got to take it with a grain of salt that you know, even though someone's saying you should do it this way, no matter their level of expertise, may not be for you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, I might have been the one that was soliciting the uh, unrequested <laughs> uh, suggestion. Oh, really? Right. <laughs> yeah, because okay. Evan, like, Winter was a very uh, great kid. Like, he hit all his milestones. He was he listened to me. He was very polite. He he s- slept in his own room at the beginning. Everything that you wanted a baby to be or the experience you want as a parent for a kid he did it all so in my mind like after maybe six months nine months i thought i was like the best dad in the world and i had i'm sure you were everywhere i had i should you know i had uh like a ted talk all like reeled up every time someone asked hey how's it going and i was like oh yeah let me tell you let me get on my soapbox and let's spew it all out no, I I don't know. Maybe maybe I don't have an approachable face like you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, people, like, yeah. It's like, Just, oh, he's grumpy. Yeah, I can't remember the specific <laughs> items, but I, I definitely remember like uh, you know getting some unsolicited advice and being like, "Thanks for that." Like. Yeah. You know. Anyways, it just it just <laughs> it goes on to like the uh, you know stigma of like you know uh, you're not a capable individual and you can't do stuff and it's like. Right. You know, it makes you a bit more awkward about going out there and doing things with your kid. If you know you're going to be critiqued by every, you know, prying eye out there, right? But, uh, and by no means, I don't think anyone's going to be a perfect parent. Like, when you're out there with your kids, you are going to make mistakes. No one needs to get their nose rubbed in it either, right? Like, you know, it's not, nothing's perfect, right? No, everybody has their own baggage and their own, and nobody knows their kid as well as you guys. You know, like, no, like, yeah, you're with them. 24 7 well hopefully well close to 24 7 right and no matter how how much they think their stuff like your opinion is the only one that matters yeah right 
you don't know how to feel those emotions or you felt those but you've never labeled it Ooh. is that a question for me or is it a question it's a question for you question for you personal question Man, we're, we're going deep now this is deep this is deep all right so the capable dad podcast it's deep one of the first sentences he says is we're gonna have some hard topics it's hard true. conversations my work with my therapist has been months if not years addressing that question oh really like why don't i have the vocabulary <laughs>